Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back into the Ion College Basketball Podcast. We almost never, ever do interviews they are saved for the most prestigious of company and today's today's guest come on now we, we had you know we had to do this we had to do this i'm matt norland and we're going to welcome in jay wright a college oh, i gotta get used to this a college basketball analyst for cbs sports <laughs> who you'll see throughout the regular season on cbs and cbs sports network and in march he'll be doing studio work throughout the ncaa tournament for cbs sports and Warner Brothers Discovery Sports, which used to be Turner Sports, but it's now Warner Brothers Discovery Sports. Jay, welcome into the pod, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Great introduction. And um, I'm going through my introduction to this new world. It's great to be on. I'm, I'm, uh, I feel it's like safer even without GP here. Yeah. Just me and you, <laughs> this, is, this is nice. I listen to you guys. So it's an honor to be on the show. I know you don't really have guests a lot, but it really is an honor. Listen, uh, it is an honor to have you on. That's correct. G, listen, we, we needed to get this done. Uh, Parrish is, is yet again in transit. You are, okay, a couple things. One, you are definitely safer with just me here. Okay, you I know are, that, man. Okay, two, a uh, little peek behind the curtain for the listeners. You know, I give Jay a call. I can't wait to have you on. And I come to discover you're a pod listener, yeah, okay? Yeah. And, and he's like, and and he's like, listen, man, just don't hit me with the trivia time. I won't. But the <laughs> fact that you were aware of this knocked my socks off. No trivia time, not at least not on the first one, Jay. No, no trivia. Time. You two go back at each other with that, and when you're doing it, I'm thinking, oh man, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that one. Man. Like just, I, I hope as I start doing this color analyst, yes. Um, I don't get put on the spot like this every 10 minutes like you do it to each other. I know. Well, it's it's wonderful. And listen, I think the hope and plan here is when we get into the tournament, we'll bring you back on a little special episode. We'll have GP involved. But this is this is the easy, like, first run of it to really, <laughs> you know, toughen up the skin before we get to March when I, I can't listen. I make no promises the next time when my man is on with me. Um, I got you, man. Spring training for the rookie, man. I appreciate it. That's right. Um, before we're going to obviously preview the CBS Sports Classic, big time stuff coming up uh, this weekend on CBS, and actually a, a triple header that we'll get to. But can we just quickly rewind to your first? I mean, your first on air call, you know, in earnest was the Penn Villanova game. Uh, how how did you go about preparing for that? And I adored. I adored the interview with you and Kyle before the before the game started because the 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 grin he had on his face and you couldn't even contain your laughter. Take me into uh, what that experience was like for you, my man. It, it was it was wild, and, and you know when you're on the other side of it, when you're a coach, and the first and, and they they ask you whatever network is doing the TV, if they ask you come in early at five o'clock for a seven o'clock game, like it, that's the last thing you want to hear because usually you get in there at like six o'clock before a seven o'clock game. I do. Cause there's nothing for the head coach really to do before the game, except get mad at somebody for something, warmups, a manager, security, so, nothing good ever happened. So I would always try to, spend the least amount of time before the game as possible so I wouldn't get on anybody's nerves. So now I have to ask Kyle, come in, at, come in two hours early. And that's where it started. And he was great, obviously. But then when I came out to do it, he looked at me in a sport coat, which I don't really use sport coats that much. I usually have a suit. And if I'm in a sport coat, something really casual. 
So he started laughing at me in the sport coat. So I'm like, we're not going to be able to do this legit until I get this part out of the way. So I, I had to mention that he was laughing at me. But it, it, it was it was really cool because it gave me um, publicly a little bit of a chance to kind of put it out there that, all right, I'm, this is you, brother. Like, you're running this now. I'm proud of you. I'm so out of this. And I'm starting something new. And I'm the rookie now. And, and you've got this. And, and he's – I'm really proud of him. I'm proud of what he's doing. Um, as you know, they they've had they had a tough stretch in the beginning. No excuses. A lot of teams go through that. But where they are right now, I think they're they're playing great basketball. Yeah, they're definitely listen. They've they've won three in a row. Oklahoma, Penn, Boston College look good in that. Nova's really really coming along there. Uh, on that note, with Kyle though. I was wondering if you could bring us in just a little bit more here because uh, it's an interesting spot for you. And I've talked a little bit with John Shire about this with Krzyzewski. Uh, You want to obviously be as available to him as possible. He probably seeks your counsel and guidance, but there probably is a balance you want to strike. And you also now you are an analyst there. So how have you, how has it gone about for you? How has that how has that been so far when, you know, it's it's barely been a minute here since you were since you were coaching the program and you I mean, Kyle, long-time assistant, knows the program so, so well, as all the guys do on that staff. Um, have you tried to be there for him as much as you can, but also have a little bit of separation the way that Krzyzewski has to an extent with Shire down there at Duke? Exactly. There, there's a balance um, that Kyle and I are working on together. And the timing of this um, starting with CBS here in, in December, actually, out of, you know, rather than early in November has been really helpful too, because we've, we've kind of um, weaned ourselves off of each other yeah. to this, to this point, both sides, you know, like him, you know, we, we had times where I would say to him, like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be around too much. And, and he'd say, he'd say, Jay, anytime you're around, it's helpful. So I, I want you around. So we were always communicating about that. But I, I feel like right the Oklahoma game, I, I did like eight minutes with Raf and, and uh, Tom McCarthy in the second half. It wasn't calling the game. It was just kind of getting my feet wet. It was really cool to be there in that position, be able to go watch Oklahoma in a shoot around. Porter Moser was my first guy to, you know, that I had to reach out to to say, look, if you don't <laughs> want to talk to me before the game, I get it. And he was like, no. Let's go. We, we talked for like an hour. Love it. Very little about the Oklahoma Villanova game, by the way, just basketball. But um, I did my eight minutes in the second half, and then I was able to go watch the game as a Villanova fan. And, and it was it was a real gradual um, introduction to be being an analyst and, and really separation from being there with Kyle. So he knows I'm always there for him, but he's got this now. And as you, as you mentioned, Matt, you you know that staff at Villanova. Those guys have all been there a long time. When I was watching practice in the preseason, I I really felt like I'm not worried at all about this development because it just looks like they're running practice as if I was there. So the staff has is, is been there for so long. Their, their struggles early were, were really just injuries and, and, and getting the right rotation down, bringing – Cam Whitmore back actually puts everybody in the right spot now. Plus, he's a talent, but it puts everybody in their right spot. So they're doing a great job. And, and I feel like Kyle and I have really got to a good point. I'm the analyst. I don't think I'll do any more Villanova games. I don't know. But um, it'll be more comfortable doing – my, my next game is um, Louisville, Kentucky. That'll be really cool because being able to – be at that game. I've always watched it on TV. Should be yeah. really cool. And by the way, the one thing you did uh, seemingly bequeath to Kyle Neptune was you uh, you accomplished everything you could possibly ask for in your in your career and at Villanova. But the one exception is you did not have a one and done lottery pick on the roster when you were there. And Cam Whitmore is certainly he's back. He's healthy, man. Oh man, what a talent! Uh, and he's going to change their ceiling. So that's that's big time stuff. I wanted to ask you this. So. Um, I am and by no means am I putting you and me on the same plane, but 
when I was in college trying to make a little extra money, I would officiate uh, freshman level and JV level high school right. basketball games. Okay. The only reason why I bring this up is this. I remember, and I did that for like five, six years. When I would, when I would officiate a game, the way I would actually interpret the, the stuff on the floor, it was different than if I watched the uh, game in person as a writer or on television. I'm wondering for you, and this may not be the case, but now that you are in the analyst role and you're not so locked in on Villanova and you're locked in on the scouting report and you can only talk about the opponents that you've either faced or guys in the Big East, is the way that you're actually watching a game, are you using different eyes, if you will, than what you did for, geez, man, 30, 40 years? Or is that transition maybe not quite happened yet? No, that no, that's a that's a good analogy, Matt. It it really is. Um, it, it it's it's totally different when when I would watch games when I was coaching, I would look for actions, offensive actions, defensive adjustments teams were making. That if we were going to play against that team later, I would make note of that so that we we're prepared for that. If we weren't going to play that team, I was stealing it for something maybe we could use. Whereas now I'm watching the games and then one, I'm listening to the color commentator more often just to learn. I'm looking more at the personnel and, and the players that, because there's part of it that, you know, fans are listening to the game because I've learned after just doing two games that Knowing the personnel and knowing the players and the coaches personally is the best way to prepare because once you get to the game and you're sitting there on the sideline, which is a great seat, by the way, oh, yeah. looking across at the coaches, I never did that before, <laughs> you, you see the actions, you see the strategy, you see that in live time, and that's that's natural to us as coaches. So getting to know the players personally and the coaches is more important preparing for a game now. That's uh, that's insightful, and and yeah, I would imagine that will uh, only expand as we as we move along. Before I get to the uh, before I get to the the season um, or the, get to the games for this weekend, I did want to get some initial impressions from you. You know, we're six weeks into the season now. Uh, we've had some you know some intriguing surprises. I mean, you know, UConn's been way better than people. Uh, UConn expects to be good, but not at this level, right? Um, Purdue undefeated at this point. Uh, you had some preseason top 10 teams that have had some struggles and have, have taken some lumps. Uh, Creighton being uh, among that group. Uh, you've had, you know, Shire at Duke, who's done a pretty good job overall to this point as well. Gonzaga's, uh, and we'll get to them a little bit later on. They've, they, you know, they've been good, but maybe not at the, at the highest level there. Broadly, what things kind of stand out to you most so far as you, as you look at this through an analyst's eyes for CBS Sports? Uh, with this, with the season to this point, what what's at front of your mind right now, Jay? This is so much fun talking about this. I, I remember you and I were in the bubble early in the season a couple years ago up in Connecticut, and we had just lost to Purdue. And you and I are talking after the game, and you're going through all these teams and where we fit with others. And I'm thinking to myself, I have no idea what he's talking about. I'm going to take everything Matt says as gospel about these other teams because I haven't seen any of them yet. And I don't know. <laughs> I'm so concerned about us. We just blew a 10 point lead against Purdue, but now being in that position where I can actually watch all these games, it's, it's so much fun and, yeah. and not think about, as I said to you, like we got to guard that action. We're going to have to play that team. It, it, it's awesome. And, and one of the things I would say to you that is interesting to me is that, I think the parity of the top teams, and I'm saying the top 25 teams, just parity, there are about 25, 30 that are kind of on another level, but the parity of those top 30 is the best it's ever been. And then if you look at like the top 100, 150, there's, there's parity there also, more, more so than ever. And I think it's I think it's because, you know, like you look at Gonzaga going down to Texas and nobody was winning in that. There's there's not a team in college basketball is going to win that night in that environment. And then Texas gets Illinois and Illinois beats them. Illinois comes home. I, I watched the Penn State game. Penn State went in there with a bunch of upperclassmen, a fifth year senior funk from Bucknell. He's drilling threes. 
it, it is as good as it's ever been. And why? It's it's NIL is keeping the older guys in college, which I think eventually is going to help the NBA. You and I could talk about that another time, which is a passion of mine. Yep. And it's the transfer portal where a lot of teams are are remaining old. And 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 I think that's keeping all of the top 100, maybe 150 teams really good. Who it's affecting is the low major, mid major, and it's affecting high school recruits. Because if you're not like one of these guys at Alabama, the these stud freshmen at Alabama, if you're not one of those guys, you're kind of getting recruited at a lower level now because everyone's getting the experienced mid-major guys to move up. Like Mark Sears at Alabama played at Ohio. He looks like a, a big time power five player, you know? So I think that's going to continue. I think it's going to be great for college basketball. As soon as we can kind of figure out this combination of NIL transfer portal, we got to figure this out in the next few years. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll sit down, get together and solve the world's problems and get that, get that done as well. Uh, a quick personal note. Yes. Bubbleville two years ago. We'll never forget. We're sitting there talking. You had beaten Arizona State, I'm pretty sure. And you were yeah. literally sitting there talking with a few no, of Tennessee. us. Wasn't it Tennessee? I thought it was. I thought. Uh, you, I trust you. I trust I you. I thought you I had beaten Arizona stuff. State because remember you scheduled. You were like. You were, it was something like, I, I think I got I to gotta play another game here. And then you wound up playing Virginia Tech and then you lost him in overtime. And you yes. were, but, but literally it was a hash it out session with, <laughs> with. Uh, I want to say and it was like 1230 in the morning. It would, it would, that was what was so hilarious is like the conversation you had with me and a couple of their media members. I think the great SID Mike Sheridan was there as well. It seemed like it was something that would be reserved for, uh, for maybe you and your staff. And I know eventually you did, but, uh, man, what a different time that was. What a, what a different, different, different time that was. Um, but, uh, but a I wonderful think we did that a couple nights, Matt. And then we even added Hartford. If you remember at the end. Yes. We just kept staying and staying and staying in the bubble. It was, it eventually helped us, but it mentally that was, that was really fatiguing. It was no, no doubt, no doubt about it. All right. We're going to talk CBS sports classic uh, and the triple header coming up here this weekend on CBS. But first a word from our partners. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, Chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so it's a huge, huge weekend upcoming across men's college hoops. CBS has the best of it here. One o'clock Eastern, Gonzaga versus Alabama and Birmingham. And then you've got the CBS Sports Classic. Ohio State will play North Carolina, and UCLA will play Kentucky. Let's start, Jay, with the CBS Sports Classic here. Um, off the top, actually, I don't, so you've got Holtman, who you're familiar with from your Big East days, but... Did you play, did you go up against Holtman at Ohio State, Hubert at Carolina, and you've got Mick at UCLA, Cal at Kentucky. Did you actually ever coach against any of those four coaches at their current schools? Yes, um, all of them. Even uh, Chris, um, Chris both at Ohio State and at Butler. Butler. Um, and 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 struggled with them. We we, we really did. I, I have great great respect for him, uh, Hubert. I don't think we obviously we played Hubert when he was assistant at Carolina, right? But not 
not as the head coach, but John, uh, John, great John stories, like everyone has, John Calipari, early in our career. Um, no, actually, he was at Memphis then, early in our I career. Think that's that's what prompted this, Jay, because I looked it up and I was like, Kentucky. I don't think Jay coached him when he was at Nova and Cal was at Kentucky. I don't think you guys ever faced off. No, we 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 did not. And and we 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 talk enough during the year. I'm glad I'm glad we didn't. Um we recruit against each other, and I and I always just tell him, like, yeah, if the guy is really good and he's one and done, just take him. Just save me, save me the time. He, he's he he's the he's the best. And and Mick. At UCLA and at Cincinnati, because you had the road game. I'm just—I was teeing it up for the listeners as well. You had the the road game against UCLA, what two years ago, right? Yes. Part of the West Coast swing there. So you are familiar with these coaches, obviously. Let's get into Ohio State uh, and the game against Carolina. The Buckeyes—they're—they're they're a good squad. I would say they're a little bit of an unknown from a national perspective at this point, just because of the, of the roster. They've got some good pieces there. Um, I don't know how much you've delved into the tape overall. Uh, but let's let's start with with Holtman's Buckeyes. Anything about them that that stands out? And would you think that they're in a, a better position right now against Carolina going into this game? Because quite clearly, if we had had to pick this game on November 5th, Jay, Carolina would have been an overwhelming favorite. Everyone would have taken UNC against Ohio State. Right now, though, the plot is twisted a little bit, and it might not be such an automatic. I agree. As a matter of fact, I think going into it, uh, Ohio State is just playing better right now. Um, that the game against Rutgers is is really tough. They're, they're a tough out. Their game against Rutgers, Zeb Key was a beast. So I look forward to him going up against Baycott. And um, I, I love their point guard. And I know Bruce Thornton at, at Ohio State. And I know Chris Holtman loves him. I, I am amazed. You know. I, in recruit, I I still look at the recruiting thing. Like, how, how does that kid not go somewhere in the south from Georgia goes to Ohio State? Um, but he he is perfect for the Big Ten and perfect for that program. Like he he could be a longtime legendary point guard there. And if he just the improvement he had from Maui till now, I love him. And because of him. And Zeb Key, and they've got shooters around them, and they're coming off a tough home win against Rutgers, and they have a week to prepare. I think they're going to be feeling really good going into this game against Carolina. Now, Carolina is feeling good coming off the Georgia Tech game, and, and R.J. Davis got it going. And Baycott looks be better to me. He didn't look right in some of those other games. The, the four-overtime game, I know he's struggling with ankle, shoulder. He just – he looked – better against Georgia Tech but they just don't they don't look like they're clicking yet and and I, I think um I think you and I were talking about this um this is a long time ago but in 87 88 mm -hmm. we went to the final eight and we lost one player Mark Plansky who's very similar to Grady Manick and the next year we came back we were preseason two in the country and we went to the NIT because no one realized the impact that Mark Plansky, we had superstars, Doug West played in the NBA, Kenny Wilson, Gary Massey, but no one realized the impact that, that Mark Plansky had. And I look at Grady Manick the same way. He was an outstanding college player and big time winner. It's true. He was a major piece on that. Uh, no Manick, you know, they brought in Pete Nance who has been, he's been good. And actually when I saw him in Portland, Carolina, um, he was playing some at the five, almost out of necessity. Baycott also got a little bit of an injury there down the stretch. Um, he's a similar player, but not an identical player. I, I'm interested in if Carolina can slow down Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State's a top five team in points per possession right now. And Holtman has always been a good offensive coach, which is what I wanted to ask you about as someone who's gone up against him. Traditionally, at Ohio State, at Butler, he is, his teams have been traditionally more offensive oriented and better on that side of the floor than defense. Like he's had some good defensive teams as well. Don't get me wrong, but traditionally he's, they've been better on offense to prepare against a Holtman coach team. Like when David, when Hubert and that staff are running that scout and we don't need to get absolutely buried in the X and O's and J's, but what from your memory and going up against Holt, 
what are like the one or two things that you think Carolina is going to have to account for uh, if it wants to get out of trouble there? Because Carolina does not rate as a top 50 defensive team right now. You, you described uh, Chris Holtman well, but it's interesting that you describe him as being more of an offensive coach because when we prepared for Butler and we just played Ohio State last year in the NSA tournament, um, you know you're going to have to run against good – like North Carolina is going to have to know they're going to have to really communicate against their screening actions and, and be ready to defend their post play as a team because what they do – is they read how you play them extremely well. So you can't just say we're going to play them one way because they're going to read and adjust, so you have to do that. But we always concerned with them scoring against them because they're so solid, they kind of sucker you into shooting perimeter jump shots, which Carolina's not great at. Mm-hmm. They sucker you into it. They protect the lane. They're real physical. And then they can test you real hard. So – it's a mind game they play with you defensively, and Carolina's going to have to know that. Like Leaky Black, they're going to mess with him and back off him, and they're going to help with his man on drivers, Davis driving, and Baycott in the post. Okay. I want to ask you about Carolina's in its situation right now. You were never in the in, a, in an identical situation, but, Jay, I, f- I feel like there have been a couple of times that you were coaching Nova going into the season – pretty high expectations and it just didn't start right whether it's the first two weeks the first month or so how do you think hubert's handling this and what is the i don't know if there's a secret but you know from your experience like i remember right when i was starting to really cover the sport nationally end of the 2000s early 2010s like there were a couple of times in fact if i can be honest enough like i remember one of the first times we ever talked i kind of walked away um a bit flattered that you were as forthcoming on the record as you were about um, how you were needing to rebuild what Villanova was going to be in the culture it would become. And now I look back a decade later, I'm like, man, the guy absolutely nailed it. Uh, I don't think UNC has a culture issue or anything like that, but how do you get teams out of this rut? Right. Is it, is it ultimately, is it on the staff or does it, does it more land on the players holding each other accountable because UNC, while it's it's getting back on the right track, it, we just can't deny it. Preseason number one team, first team to ever fall out of the polls this early, and whatever they had going last year, manic or no manic, uh, it just it has not clicked for one reason or another. What do you think is the is the you know the way to get them out of this? And what do you think Hubert and that staff are really working on to to make sure that happens? Hubert is great at uh, communicating with his players, and it's it's a it's a different type of communication now. In, in this era, and we, we don't have time to go into all that, but he's mm-hmm. he's very um, current in dealing with these guys. And this is something that they have to go through together, that the coaches can't blame the players, the players can't blame the coaches, and that happens. But you need to go through that together and, and unite and say, we both have to take responsibility here and we, we both have to fix it together. And when you do that, that's when you really become strong at the end of the season. I, I think they're going to – I think they're finding a way um, to, to to fit, you know, the, the, replace, the replacement um, of Manic in there. I, I think Pete Nance – you said it. He is not Manic. So Leaky Black's got to do a little – I'd like to see him get on the offensive glass more. I'd like to see him get to the foul line more like to see him be even more aggressive defensively, more disruptive. They've got to figure that all out together. Whereas Hubert's got to talk to Leakey about that. Leakey's got to, got to listen to Hubert about that. And, that. and that's the way you do it. The one thing is, if they can get to the tournament, which I think they will, the experience of having been in the tournament together is so valuable that it doesn't matter how they go in, like six seed, eight seed, doesn't matter. If they get there, their experience from last year is going to be very, very valuable. Yeah, it's such a fascinating team. I look forward to seeing how they navigate through the rest of the season um, because I think that, yeah, especially once they get to the tournament, uh, just no one I think will underestimate them no matter if they're in what the number is next to that name. A reminder, Jay will be on uh, coverage studio all weekend uh, on Saturday for CBS Sports Triple Header. Let's talk UCLA and Kentucky real quick. That's the that's the nightcap. I will be on hand at MSG for both of these games. Uh, both of these teams rank top 10 in Ken Palm. 
They were preseason top 10 in the polls, have slipped just a little bit there. But, you know, Cal's got a 7-2 and two Kentucky team that defensively has been pretty stout to this point. Kaysen Wallace might be the best defensive freshman in the country. He's been outstanding. Offensively, they're still getting there, and they have the reigning national player of the year. UCLA, 8-2. and two, And Mix had a team that's been able to score quite a bit in recent seasons. This group has done so as well. UCLA's only losses, Jay, as you well know, they're both very respectable. Neutral court, they went out to Vegas. They got beat by Illinois and got beat by Baylor. There's no shame in that. Um, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see what they can do moving forward going up against Kentucky. Just a listener note here. We are taping this shortly before UCLA plays at Maryland. So there is a chance if you're listening to this or watching this live, they'll have taken a third L. But at this point, just two losses. And Kentucky's losses, Michigan State on a neutral at Gonzaga. So both these teams, there's nothing to be ashamed about on the resume. What are you expecting from this game, Jay? I think I think both of these teams are in very similar situations and they're similar teams. Really strong defensively. Both of them high-level assists really share the ball and low turnovers which which is really kind of unique for one of Cal's teams early in the season cuz usually he's fitting so many guys together you know they're they're playing hard but he's trying to figure it out it's really really interesting this is going to be a great game because they are very similar teams both of them if they get stops can get out and score but they're not afraid to grind it out either one of them in the half court and what's what's interesting and intriguing with what Cal's doing with this team. And I think he's a master at building teams because he's always got so many different pieces he's putting together. But Shibwe is developing, and I think his development for the next level is going to be based on his ability to be a go-to player down the stretch where he can make good decisions, have a, like a two-to-one two assist-to-turnover ratio, make the right pass if he gets fouled, get fouled, Make free throws, which he's shooting a good clip. He's got shooters around him. They're shooting 39% from three. He's got four guys in, in double figures. So they're really starting to, to come together as a team. And, you know, they, they haven't played a team like UCLA, but this is the perfect time for them to play UCLA, and I think they're ready. And I think UCLA is in the same spot. Like, if, if you look at Tiger Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Clark, ha- Jaime Jaquez, those are three of the toughest most experienced guys in college basketball, a great team to build around. I like Tiger's got to shoot a little bit better from three, which I think he will. Same with Jaime. They shoot a little bit better from three. And they're fitting the other guys in around them. The, going on the road, uh, I think they were at Stanford, at Oregon, and getting two wins handily is showing that they're really ready to go. So this is the perfect time for them to play Kentucky. So I can see these guys grinding it out in an extremely well-played game because they don't turn the ball over. They both pass it well, and they both defend. You know, I get I get Villanova guard vibes off of Tiger Campbell. He seems like a guy that you would have loved. Come on now, right? Everything Look, about him, he seems like a, the exact kind of guy you would have loved to have in your system. You know what, Matt? Last year we played them out at UCLA to start the season – in an overtime game and at Pauley Pavilion, which was oh, what an incredible experience, great place to play. I was like sometimes pinching myself. Like we got there two hours before the game and it was packed and people were telling me this never happens at Pauley Pavilion. People hear this early before a game. Yeah. But it started, it was a late start, like 8.30 or something. It reminded me of one of those games when I was a kid when uh, Notre Dame used to play out there and you'd watch it on, on – uh, you know, TV at 1130 at night, but it was awesome. But the guy that got us in the end was Tiger Campbell making toughness plays down the stretch in an overtime. I have so much respect for him and I'd love to have him on one of our teams. I want to ask you real quick about, uh, you know, Shibway's was, uh, Shibway, you know, transferred and, and, and Kentucky's got some more experience there. Um, the idea of the red shirt has is disappearing quickly. Your 28 title team. How many red shirts were on that team? How many did you have? How many guys did you redshirt off that 2018 title team freshman season? Like five? Uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Um, Bridges. Mikhail Bridges. Um, Eric Bell. Pascal. Eric Pascal. Pascal. Um, somebody else with J- Jermaine Samuels, I believe, was sitting out that year. Yeah. Um, I don't know if at Gillespie least, did. It was either, yeah, at least four. 
like, and I, I think it was Gillespie. You wanted to redshirt him, and at a point, you, you told me you were like, "We can't. Yes, we can't. We can't redshirt him." But yeah. my question is this: like, that's not getting ever repeated again, right? It's just not going to happen, right? There's never going to be a team like your 2018 title team that can win it all and do it the way that you did it. Now, I, maybe you win it if if you if they don't redshirt, but it feels like that actual process was almost the last of its kind. Would you agree? Actually, Phil Booth redshirted also. You're right. There was five. Um, I, I, there might be some ba based on injury. Um, okay. And that actually is helpful, you know, if it's not a major injury. Yeah. But, you know, I sometimes wish guys would understand, unless you're, unless you're just a freak athlete that is so elite that the NBA is going to invest in you, you're so much better going into the NBA prepared, physically and mentally mature, because you only have a short window in the NBA to make it. And you want to be at your best when you're in that short window. So there's a few guys that it doesn't matter because they're going to invest in you and keep you because of your freakish elite athleticism. But if you're not that guy, go in there experienced. And all of our guys have benefited from that but i do think guys are going to do that now because of nil and i think they're going to be more prepared and i think it's going to actually improve the nba that's another discussion for you and me on another I, yeah, day. No, I agree it's, it's interesting but yeah i wanted to ask you about that because um the team that winds up winning the title this year it just won't be in the, of the same uh it won't be of the same formula but yes i could see how possibly something similar might emerge again but yeah that, that 2018 title team was just one of the more dominant ones in recent uh in recent history let's talk bama gonzaga cbs one o'clock tip eastern on saturday um alabama's coming off that just tremendous road win over houston number one ranked houston uh help inform a fool like me does does nate oates does he deploy a style that's similar to what you ran at villanova in your later years from what you can tell because i was you told me this, and I remember talking to some of your assistants. In fact, Kyle, a few years back, um, I I was unaware of it until you know you guys told me where it's like we run stuff, but we give a, you know a lot is on the players out there to run you know run this one or this one this play this play. It's you don't have a playbook that's you know three inches thick, so to speak. I don't know if Oates does or not, but when you watch them play, is it kind of like what you were doing in your final five six years uh, running the Wildcats there, Jay? Very similar. And, and, and this team, he's doing it with bigger, longer players, which automatically makes you better defensively. How how are they playing these four freshmen and getting away with their inexperience and still being a, a great defensive team? It's, the, it's their length and athleticism can make up for a lot of mistakes defensive. You're playing a smaller, undersized, no matter how talented he is, freshman that doesn't really understand what's going on defensively. He can't cover for his mistakes. These guys do. I, Matt, I was blown away. I'm watching that game. Hmm. They're down 15 at Houston. Places raucous. I'm I'm looking at it. This says okay. They're they they can't get the stops against Houston. Houston's too tough to get out and run in transition. All of a sudden, they've got four freshmen on the court. They they've got. Um, Clowney at the five spot, yeah, and they're starting to make the run with with the freshmen because defensively they were so long, they were getting stops and they were getting out in semi transition, and it was really interesting to me that in their four overtime game against North Carolina down the stretch, it looked to me like the only guy that could make plays was Javon Quinterly. He had 21 points. They had the ball in his hands every time at the end of every overtime. He was the player of the game. In this game, he wasn't even in the game at the end of the game. Nope. Brandon, um, Brandon Miller goes to the free throw line. He makes six free throws down the stretch as a freshman. Jaden Bradley, Bradley's playing the point. And I'm saying this is how far they've come from that Carolina game. That was as a, impressive a win. And there's been some great ones as I've seen in college basketball so far this year. It was so awesome. And I got to imagine when you watch this game 
uh, on Sunday, both or Saturday, excuse me, both Oats and Few. Just the way they they coach their teams. I don't know. There's Jay Wright vibes in how they uh, how they run their programs and the style. Take that of as a compliment, my man. I love the both of them. Right. So, and, and Gonzaga is in a uh, yet again an elite offensive team. Actually, rates better right now in offensive efficiency. But I mean, I got to put you on the analyst. I got to put you in the analyst chair right now. Like, objectively, I don't know how many Gonzaga games you've watched so far. The losses are all respectable at Texas, Purdue on the neutral. The Purdue ran them out of the building. I was there, watched that in Portland, and then lost a, a nail biter that they easily could have won against Baylor uh, on a neutral in South Dakota. So the losses are all good, but they're seven and three. Is it, I don't know. Is it fair to say that Gonzaga right now, at least looks to be maybe a notch below from the teams we've seen from the past couple of seasons. There is no Chet Holmgren like a, a season ago. And you know, they don't have a Jalen Suggs like two seasons ago when they obviously made that undefeated run to the title game before getting knocked off by Baylor. I, I think it's fair. And, and I think Mark would probably say the same thing, but I, I don't think that we have to worry that they might not be in the same spot at the end of the year. It's going to be a different journey. Um, like, and, and what we were talking about earlier, Matt, about how everybody can get older now, mm -hmm. that used to make Gonzaga really elite is that they would be old at every position. And then maybe mix in a Scruggs one-and-done guy, but he was the best in the country, you know, or, or Chet Holmgren. They'd make, but everybody else around them was really old and super talented. You know, they've got Hickman, who's a sophomore at the at the point, and he's not he's not one of those. They've always had a dominant point guard. He's more of a a combo guard. It's a shooter, and and he's learning the point. So they're they've never had a position situation where their point guard is learning their role. They've had a always a point guard who's a stud, one of the best in the country, and guys around them. And, and the other thing is, I, I think I'd like to see like, – Timmy is an incredible college player, but he, he's he got to really improve his free throw shooting, and he should be and can be an elite passer. He's got a poor assist-to-turnover ratio, and, and I'd really – he can improve so much in that area, and I know he's a coachable guy. So – there's a lot of improvement possible for this team, and and Mark is the best. They're just going to have a different journey to get there, but in the end, they could be just as good as any of these Zags teams. Great point on his passing. Timmy is an undeniably good passer. The turnovers, excellent, excellent stuff, Jay, because you're right. And then from the foul line right now, Timmy is taking 65 foul shots as of this recording, 57% from the field. Uh, and you could make the argument that some of the some of the ones he missed in the Baylor game he certainly led to uh, the Bears beating the Zags there. So again, you know better. last year, yeah, the game they played Alabama last year, uh, it was amazing because they, they played in Seattle and they looked like a little disinterested. And Alabama came out and drilled, just yeah. drilled threes. It, it was it was incredible. Um, who was that the the shooter they had? Last year, he just he went off on him. Um, for Bama, yeah, Shackelford. Shackelford, yeah. Shackelford had an incredible game. Yeah, he yeah. had they had 13 threes, but again, Zaga Gonzaga shot 13 from 25 from the foul line in that game. A lot of it was Timmy, and they, they've they're going to go into this game against Alabama for whatever reason. They looked a little disinterested last year. I can't, I can't figure yeah. it out, but. That's not happening Saturday. They are going to come in fired up, hungry. This is going to be a, a really good game also. We get, we got three great games Saturday. It's it's Listen, it's kismet that the huge, huge Saturday and, uh, you know, big studio debut for you. Uh, can't wait. And, yes, Bama's obviously in the stretch of uh, just uh, an incredible week. Houston, Memphis was on Tuesday, and then Gonzaga here and trying to it, it swept the series with Houston one a year ago. One this year, going to try and do the same thing with uh, with Gonzaga. Um, can we uh, listen? Game talk's great, but I want to wrap on this, <laughs> Matt. Like I would, I, you know, I, when I was I, coaching I, I, when you would get to this point. I would yeah. get scared. Right now, now it's fun. I can say anything now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I wanted to get into like your retirement and all that. We're going to save that for the next pod. All right. We'll, we'll talk about retired and, and deciding to get into the media. Like that'll be our next conversation, but let's, let's wrap with some fun stuff because my man, 
I couldn't, I seemingly could not go like more than two weeks between April and October without on my Twitter, you know, feed or on television. Oh, look, it's Jay Wright at another, at another game. He's just permanently at Phillies, Eagles, Flyers, and 76ers games. Oh, now, first of all, you're living your best life. I love it. My question is, can you give me a ballpark? How many games between the four professional major sports franchises in the city of brotherly love? How many th- do you think you've gone to since you retired, my man? No, I, I, I not not that much. It's a lot of Phillies. The Phillies for growing up in Philly, I I, I love all the teams. I'd I love to go to all the games, and it is one of the things I look forward to in retirement. I, I love the fly. A Flyers game is awesome here in Philly. Eagles is off the charts. Um, Sixers is is awesome. I don't go to as many of of the Sixers, believe it or not, just because it's all basketball people, and I, I don't get to watch. I like watching the games, Fair. but the Phillies has always been my respite because the basketball season ends, baseball season starting, and that is the most relaxing night. I love baseball. For whatever reason, you can go there. People relax. They know you're out there with your family to watch the game. We go to Bark in the Park with our dogs. I, I, the Phillies I love. So the run during the World Series was awesome. <laughs> and it, But everybody was so crazy that we had tickets for the one night that got rained out. And I couldn't go the next night because I had to go to New York. And my family all went the next night. And they came back and said, it was much more fun going to the game without you. Nobody was bothering us. We got to just watch the game. So that was a little bit of a heartbreaker for me. Yeah, man. You listen. I I think you need to embrace. You're basically number two to the, to the Philly fanatic at this point. You've become the team mascot. You have like it, it just. <laughs> I'm you, I could. I, I'm not. Maybe you got a. Maybe you got a, a body double out there as well. But it literally felt like you you had season tickets and were there <laughs> every third night, my man. Every third that night. Was what a is fun the- run, man? Philly was on fire. It was I so know, unexpected, right? and it was awesome. No, that is it's wonderful stuff. And obviously came up just two games shy, losing to Houston in the World Series. What is your, if you have, some people collect memorabilia, some don't, but it like, do you have a piece of Phillies memorabilia that is near and dear to you? Something that's like really cool that's in the house at all? Or are you just not that kind of guy? No, I'm not a memorabilia guy, autograph guy. Like I, same thing with all, I'm bad even with my own stuff. You know, like I don't keep a lot of my own, stuff I'm, I'm not into that but i do have some great like when i go to the game i usually always wear a jersey i got a great old mike schmidt jersey yeah and i got a great jimmy i did a um a charity bowling event with jim with jimmy rollins one time and he had these special jerseys made for us that are green and gold i have that so i like i like the jerseys dig that man uh favorite philadelphia maybe it is a philly like when you were growing up who was who was the guy? I was, you know, my parents uh, born and raised in Chicago. I live in Chicago. So Walter Payton was that person for me. Did you have a particular athlete idol growing up? Dr. When you J, when I was yeah. in fifth grade, when the when the Sixers signed Dr. J, we I was fifth grade. So we that was like God coming to we it, for it took us all in Philadelphia like a week to really believe it was true because the Sixers were struggling before that. And it was like, you know, it was the greatest player of all time coming to our city. We, so while he was here and those, those Sixers teams um, were, were big, were, were so big to all of us. The, the Eagles in Philly though, you gotta, as much as you, I mean, I'm a basketball guy and I love it, but the Eagles are so big in Philadelphia yeah. and it's a part of, you know, there's bad weather that time of year, so it's what everybody does. Like everybody goes to church, then watches the Eagles games, and then eats as a fan. It's a family thing. When they won the Super Bowl, you know, you're calling your. I'm calling my father. We're crying. It's 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 like it's a family event. So, you know, you I could go back to like Roman Gabriel, Norm Sneed, all the old Ron Jaworski. We love those Dick Vermeil teams. The Eagles are such a part of your life here. Man, oh man, you know, and B just dropped like 53 the other night. Eagles are the best team in the NFL. Phillies just made the World Series. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dialed in on the hockey, so I don't know how to yeah. fly. Or anything. Flyers <laughs> but, struggling a little bit. Flyers okay. struggling a little bit. But you're, yeah, and that's just that's that's good stuff there. And yeah, as we were as we mentioned off air, 
Eagles are legit. The, the way that they just won that game over the Giants, that's that's the one that uh, if anyone was kind of like, are they are they not like are they really the best team in the NFC if not the NFL? That was that was the one to convince a lot of folks there. So if, if I was still coaching, I would be using Jalen Hurts quotes and Jalen Hurts highlights and Jalen Hurts uh, experiences with his teammates as examples to our team all the time they probably be sick of it but they they got it they know i love the eagles because we have some we got all kinds of different fans but i love his leadership forget his talent his leadership's off the charts jay so it's so wonderful to uh to have you in the cbs sports family this way listen we're, we're done and uh, first of all we went longer than i told you we would that's part of the ion college basketball podcast experience i'm sorry we went longer. i don't have practice to go to i'm good it's different now matt I, as i told you I always, you always did a great job. I always respect you. Just when you started to go off a little bit, when you're coaching, you're worried because you got to represent a university, you got to represent a team. Yes. Now I'm, I'm good to go, buddy. Uh, I, this, I, I, this was fun, loose. I'm just telling you. Next one with Parrish. <laughs> just get ready. We say that lovingly. Again, Jay Wright. College basketball analyst for CBS Sports. You're going to see him in studio this Saturday. Triple header on CBS. Gonzaga, Alabama starts at 1, and then you've got the CBS Sports Classic. I will be reporting from Madison Square Garden for that double header there, and then Jay will be uh, with CBS Sports throughout the season, and then once we get into the tournament, doing work with CBS Sports and Warner Brothers Discovery Sports. Jay, thanks so much for joining us. Look forward to talking to you throughout the season, my man. Great to be with you, buddy. Great job. All right, we're going to have another episode, a big, another preview Friday, as usual. GP will be back, and we are going to do a a massive weekend preview at all the biggest storylines in college hoops. So get ready for that, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.